what's up everyone welcome into another episode of inside the hoosier mind it has been a few weeks since i have done a podcast i wouldn't just i really just wasn't feeling it last week so i was like all right i gotta come in i gotta be able to do one this week because i've been itching to do a show and i have seen some crazy stuff this past weekend uh from colleagues that i you know do the podcasting with to just random people on tiktok all of them defending some crazy stuff that happened this past weekend, but I'm not I'm not going to dive into that first. I'm going to dive in that here a little bit later. The first thing I want to dive into actually is uh, college football and Luke Fickle as of yesterday, November 27th, 2022, became the head coach uh, at the University of Wisconsin. So he leaves Cincinnati after having been there for five years, uh, really did a complete 180 turnaround. Um, with that team and made them a playoff and very viable team for about the last five years. And I love slash hate this, this hire. And the reason being is because when you look at Luke Fickle's overall track record, when it comes to having to face teams that are difficult to face, then typically being ranked, he doesn't do very well. So kind of ignoring his first year, the 2017 year when he got hired, he was four and eight. I don't really count that, you know, he had to inherit it, you know, pretty much whoever he had from the previous year, um, the previous coaching regime. So I give him, I give him a pass on 2017, 2018 is his, you know, first, first full season. He can recruit the people that he wants to recruit. He can get his coaching staff in. He, He can build a culture. He can get everything he needs to potentially be successful. So let's look at the 2018 season, 2018 season. They went, let's see, overall, they went, they went 11 and two they went six and two in the AAC, which isn't terrible. Now keep in mind, they didn't really beat anybody terribly difficult. The two that they lost to, so they lost to number 20 Temple at uh, at Lincoln Financial Field, so it was in Philadelphia, so it was at Temple. And then they lost to UCF, who was ranked number 24 at the time, at UCF, so down in Florida. So not necessarily bad. UCF, of course, went on to actually win uh, the division on that uh, that year. And Cincinnati ended up finishing third in the division again behind Temple, who gave them their only loss, uh, who gave them a loss. And then UCF didn't lose in the conference at all. So not necessarily too bad. You know, it, it's OK to kind of have a couple of those a couple of those losses. It's not it's not terrible, um, but you're kind of like, eh, OK, you know, he'll he, he's getting there really good year to go basically from four and eight to 11 and two. That's, that's pretty damn impressive. So we'll move on to 2019, 2019, they go 11 and three, they go seven and one in the American. Now they end up winning, of course, the AAC East, uh, and actually end up losing the AAC championship game to Memphis. And they end up winning the Birmingham bowl. Now we look at that season, you know, they did get a win against a ranked team. Uh, but they lost to number five, Ohio State in Columbus, 42 to nothing. Uh, they beat UCF this time, number 18. They beat them 27 to 24. And then their last two losses came right before the Birmingham Bowl. They lost to number 18, Memphis. And then they turned around and had to face them again for the championship and lost again. 
And it's funny because they lost 24 to 34 the first time and then 24 to 29 the second time. So already there, Luke Fickle is basically one in five against ranked opponents, which to me kind of gives me a little bit of a, a little bit of kind of a shaky feeling. I mean, it's, it's hard to beat, you know, it's hard to beat somebody like Ohio state, but you look at Memphis and Memphis is actually in their division. They're in the West and they lose to them two weeks in a row and you can't score more than 24 points is really what's kind of su- surprising to me is that they, they lose something like that. So we have Luke fickle at one and five against ranked teams. So now we move to 2020. Now, obviously the COVID uh, COVID season so a lot of them have been shortened. Um, so kind of take this for for what it for what it is. Um, ends up getting a few ranked wins. So he beats number twenty two Army in Cincinnati. He beats SMU down in Texas, who is ranked number sixteen. Uh, and then December 9th, the American Championship against Tulsa, ranked number twenty three, and beating a win. And then they lose in the Peach Bowl to number nine Georgia, as they were ranked number eight. So. Not necessarily bad, you know. He kind of even he you know brought his record back up. Now he's four and six against ranked teams. Again, not terrible. Uh, you know he's getting better. He's on the right track and the right progression. And then of course last year everybody knows, you know, kind of the the magic behind, um, you know, Cincinnati and what they were able to do. They even got as high as number two in the country at one point through October twentieth through October twenty. Uh, through October 30th, uh, they were ranked number two. They end up having the big win against uh, number nine, Notre Dame, in Indiana. They won 24 to 13. That was their biggest win. And then, of course, they beat number 21, Houston, uh, for the AAC championship game. So that put them at six and six in ranked games, you know, against ranked opponents. And then they, of course, ended up losing to Alabama. They're ranked number four, first ever group five team to reach the college football playoffs. So that within itself is quite an accomplishment. So I can't take anything away from him as far as that goes. So he's, you know, six and seven against, you know, ranked teams. And overall he was 57 and 18 in his time in Cincinnati. So this is where I get a little bit skeptical with Luke fickle. You're coming into the Big Ten, and you're coming into the Big Ten West, which at the moment, while the Big Ten West still has division, the Big Ten still has divisions, is very winnable. There's nobody, probably, especially this past season, there was nobody that was a clear-cut favorite. You know, there's pos- po- uh, possibility that Purdue could potentially win. You know, Purdue finally did end up winning it, but it was a big question mark. Illinois looked like the big favorite there for a long time. The Hawkeyes still have a top defense. Minnesota was considered. Uh, Wisconsin there for a little bit, then they end up follow, uh, firing Paul Christ, which is still a little question mark. Uh, Northwestern, of course, didn't do anything. And then obviously Nebraska fired Scott Frost and then ended up hiring Matt Rule. I don't know how well that's going to go. Um, Matt Rule did great at Temple. He did great at Baylor, turned them into you know pretty decent programs, kind of like Luke Fickle, um, except Luke, Luke has been better about he stays with his program. He doesn't build one up. Okay, they were doing great. I want to go somewhere else. I want a bigger challenge. You know, So Luke has kind of done this now, but he's been a little bit more consistent. He's mainly been known for what he did at Cincinnati. I mean, he was the interim head coach at Ohio State. Ended up going, if I remember right, six and seven with them. So not great. Um, but I mean, it's 
it, it was in the midst of they lost their head coach, they lost their star quarterback. Um, so he was pretty much just handed a mess and say, you know, do what you can. Um, so it isn't, isn't necessarily terrible. And then, of course, Urban Meyer ended up becoming the head coach of Ohio State shortly after. He stayed on as the co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, and then he ended up getting the job at Cincinnati because of it. So not bad. Uh, my big question is, though, is can he be ready for consistent challenges of a Power Five conference? And what I mean by that is not saying that, you know, the group five isn't devoid of talent by no means. The group five has great teams. They have great schedules, really good players, and not saying that those games aren't hard. It's it's a little different when you get into the big boy leagues like this. And really, he's only got one season to enjoy the divisions because then there's a possibility that afterwards, either the divisions are going to be realigned, which would make sense. You know, it's. The West doesn't really have a heavy hitter. I mean, literally everybody that has won the Big Ten Championship here in the last few years has been from the East, and it's either been Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State, and Penn State that one year. So it's it's one of those you, if it's me and I'm Luke Fickle, I'm prepared for a challenge, and especially if they make it just one giant, you know, quote-unquote conference, okay, now you have to face Ohio State, You had to face Michigan. You had to face Michigan State. And Michigan State even beat them this year with a down year. You know, you had to face you had to face Penn State, who Penn State was good this year. You you still have to take on all your West opponents that you normally take on. On top of you're going to have to face USC and UCLA, who at minimum are going to dump points on you. So I'm excited for Luke Fickle. I'm excited to see what he's able to do with Wisconsin. Um, it, it will be very interesting to watch. I hope he's able to be successful because I do want him to be, I do want him to succeed. I want it to be interesting. I want him to be able to, you know, have a good coaching career at Wisconsin, but we'll see so far track record wise against big teams. It's hard and not saying that it'll get any easier being in the big 10. Um, but your talent is a little bit better. You know, not saying that University of Cincinnati didn't have great players. I mean, you look at his coaching record of who he was able to produce, you know, from both Ohio State and from uh, Cincinnati. I mean, he's got a great list of names. I actually had them here. I have to just find them. Um, Come on. Where are they at? Here we go. Um, so obviously, you, had, you know, Sauce Gardner for the Jets has been fantastic. AJ Hawk, who was at Ohio State, Bobby Carpenter, Ryan Shazier, uh, Darren Lee, James Laurinaitis, uh, Marcus Freeman, um, and then of course probably a little bit more better known players. Um, more recently from this past draft with you know Alec Pierce, uh, Desmond Ritter, who is with the Falcons, I think he has potential to be a pretty good quarterback in the NFL. I don't know about necessarily starting quarterback, but I think he'll be fine. Um, so, I mean, he he has the potential to get greatness out of his players. I'm not denying that at all. Is is he ready for a much higher level of competition week in and week out against some of really some of the best teams in the country? Now, I know obviously the SEC has a little bit of a bias, and the SEC does have a tough schedule and. I would say people are a little bit biased towards the SEC because, I mean, they're they're the conference that has won a majority of the national championships here of late. 
mainly due to Alabama. You have LSU, uh, Florida, uh, Auburn one year. So, I mean, they they have, in Georgia, you have the talent in the SEC 100%. But the Big Ten is almost always right there with them as far as being able to do, you know, being able to kind of hang with the big boys as far as talent, name, brand, um, rankings in the country. And they produce some of the best players right up there with the SEC as well. So be interesting to see how Luke Fickle does with uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, as somebody who was married to a Wisconsin Badgers fan, I'm not necessarily going to be upset if they don't do great. But for Luke Fickle's sake, I hope that they do. Keeping with the Big Ten and keeping with college, we're going to talk about the V game, obviously, between Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, for anybody that missed it, Michigan obviously won 43 to t- 45 to 23 uh, at Ohio State this time. So last year, Ohio State came in, Michigan beat them in Michigan uh, in Ann Arbor, and then Michigan comes in this time and turns around and actually beats Ohio State. Probably the thing that surprised me the most is if you look at the statistics, take the score out for a second. This game was actually a lot closer than what it shows on the scoreboard. Ohio State actually held the ball for longer. Uh, They had more first downs. Now, Michigan had more total yards, and then obviously Ohio State had the two turnovers, which definitely hurt them for sure. The thing that probably surprised me the most is Ohio State knew that Michigan was going to run the ball. And of course, they were fully prepared to stop them from doing that at all costs. And unfortunately, they just weren't able to. Um, On top of it, you look at you look at J.J. McCarthy, which this to me is what really surprised me is when Jim Harbaugh announced that he was going to make. J.J. McCarthy, the starting quarterback over Cade McNamara. He, there was nothing that J.J. really did that, you know, made me turn my head. Like, he's he's a five-star prospect out of high school that, you know, he filled in a couple weird quarterback duo plays that Jim had drawn up last year, but mainly it was Cade leading, leading the team last year. Comes into this year. I think under a little bit of pressure, like, okay, you have this five-star recruit, you need to put him in the game. And realistically, you know, five-star recruits will attract other five-star recruits. But again, my biggest question is, what does he do that really makes your head turn and your eyes kind of pop out like, whoa, this is the kid that Michigan has. And he hasn't really done that for me so far this year. Not not saying that he's a bad quarterback, but again, he's he just hasn't done anything this year that has really, you know, impressed me i mean he's thrown for 2200 yards 17 touchdowns two interceptions and has a qbr of 78.1 not bad he's just a sophomore he's 6'3 he's 196 pounds um career wise he and last year he was 34 59 57 uh 57.6 completion rating through for 516 yards five touchdowns two interceptions uh and then, of course, this year, uh, 65% completion, 2,200 yards, 17 touchdowns, two picks. So that, that's not bad. Um, but again, nothing that really impresses me to the point where I'm like, whoa, this is the guy. Like looking at just the last five games that he played, this was the most yardage that he had thrown the entire time. 
Um, now I know in the beginning of the season is a little bit different. Um, he had a 300 yard game against Indiana. Um, other than that, this Ohio state game was the second most yards he threw, uh, the entire season. And I mean, before that he had a really good completion percentage all the way up until Penn state, uh, pins after Penn state, he dropped under, uh, 70% completion. I mean, literally Penn state, he was right at 71%, 77, 75, 69% against Maryland. So that's my apologies. You know, he did, he did have one kind of, you know, bad game against Maryland. Um, 83% against UConn, 91 against Hawaii, and then he only threw four passes in against Colorado State, and he had 100% completion. So he he's had a solid year, but again, it, it's nothing that has really made me you know just turn my head and be surprised at what he's been able to do. Um, what probably surprised me the most about this game is the fact that he threw and the fact that they put the ball in his hands and that he was able to you know make the absolute best of it when he when he did. You know, Ohio State was so focused on stopping the run, and yet they couldn't. And really, again, you look at the you look at the stats, and honestly, even if you look at the scoreboard, there's three big plays that actually four big plays that Michigan did, and that's really all it took was just four big plays, all touchdowns. So you take those four big plays away. I mean, Michigan still wins. Um, Actually, no, no, they wouldn't. They would not win. It would be 23 to 17 if they took those four big plays away. Um, the first big play, uh, Michigan ended up tying it up. It was a 69 yard touchdown pass from JJ McCarthy, scores 10 10. Ohio State kicks field goal. Next possession literally takes 12 seconds. Uh, Michigan throws a 75 yard touchdown pass from JJ McCarthy. Now it's 17 13. Of course, Ohio State responds. Third quarter. Uh, 45-yard pass from from J.J. McCarthy. I don't really consider that as big of a play. Um, so it's 24-20. They get a J.J. McCarthy, you know, run. It was a 15-play, 81-yard, you know, almost eight-minute drive to put him put him up by 11. Ohio State kicks field goal. And then after that, it was literally two run plays by Donovan Edwards, 75 yards. It took 12 seconds to score. And then a three-play, 92-yard, one-minute score, which ended with an 85-yard touchdown run by Donovan Edwards to basically seal the game for Michigan. And he and, and Donovan Edwards finished 22 carries, 216 yards, two touchdowns. So, I mean, that is probably the most impressive is he basically made the most out of what he had uh, at that time. And, you know, Ohio State, it, I initially thought that maybe – Ohio that Michigan really frustrated CJ Stroud and and they did but again looking at him statistically it wasn't as bad as I thought you know he CJ Stroud went 31 of 48 349 yards two touchdowns two picks so a little bit of some frustration there um and then as a collective whole Ohio State ran for 143 as compared to Michigan's 252 um so really for, for Ohio state, they kind of did what they, both teams did what we thought that they were going to do. Michigan relied heavily on the run game, even though Blake Corm wasn't really there. He had two carries for six yards, but they, they wanted to keep him out because they knew he was hurt. Um, so Donovan Edwards obviously got a majority of the calls and, you know, they, they put the game more in JJ McCarthy's hands, which is probably what surprised me the most is that they trusted him enough to, 
be able to say, you know what, we're going to give you the, we're going to give you the game. We, we haven't been really been able to run it super great yet until those last two plays when basically Ohio state's gas, they're just trying to get the ball back. They're trying to, you know, force JJ to throw it, make it seem like you can't run it. And then of course, Donovan, Donovan Edwards, you know, breaks free and ends up going to the house twice. So pretty surprised. Um, obviously Michigan will take on Purdue uh, for the Big Ten Championship here in a couple weeks in Indianapolis. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I think Michigan wins wholeheartedly. Um, not saying that Purdue doesn't really have a chance. I am excited that it's Purdue. I'm happier that it's Purdue instead of Iowa. Iowa's offense has been just so anemic, so boring, just so pitiful that I just I don't even want to really watch Iowa, you know, be beaten down miserably because that defense can only hold for so long and it's not their fault. You know, that's they, they can only do so much with what they've got. So to me, I I get it. Um but unfortunately, I think Michigan's going to win. Um, I think the rankings are probably going to stay. Barring anything crazy happening, I think it's going to probably stay Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and then USC. Um, for anybody that thinks Bama is going to go in, they're not. And I've, I've seen so many. I know they're Alabama fans. I think they're more just trolls because they know it sets other people off. Uh, but for anybody who legitimately thinks that Alabama is still a good team this year. They're not. They have not beaten anybody of any type of relevancy. You know, they what? They beat a ranked old Miss team that, you know, just previously got beat by LSU. You managed to beat them. Not really a big surprise. Nothing to really hang your hat on. You lost to Tennessee by three, which again, everybody, oh, they lost to a field goal. And then you lost to LSU by one in overtime with a two-point version. And everybody's, oh, well, Bryce Young was hurt. No. You don't get to say that, you know, oh, Alabama's the best team. We have two We have two of the best losses you can have. There's no such thing as a good loss. If that was the case, Ohio State would be in over USC because Ohio State has beaten the ranked teams that they faced, and they lost to now the number two team in the country, and at the time it was the number three team in the country. So if that's the case, Ohio State would be four, not USC. There is no such good thing. There is no such thing as a good loss. Ohio State will probably be the odd man out again, barring USC losing in the Pac-12 championship against Utah, barring TCU doing something crazy and losing. Those to me are the only two teams that have a viable shot of losing. And if they do, Ohio State will be able to get in. Alabama will not get in. Even if both those teams lose, even if USC loses, even if if TCU loses, Alabama will not get in. They will not put a two-loss SEC team that has been garbage this year in over a potential Big 12 champion. Uh, actually, no, not a potential Big 12 championship. If they lose, they won't be the Big 12 champion. But they they won't put it in over a TCU that has one loss. They won't. They, it will not happen. They will not put a two-loss team into the playoffs unless. Pretty much everybody else on the outside had two losses. Like if Ohio State had two losses and that was pretty much the only other option from there, okay, I could maybe see it. You could maybe make that argument, but you're not. You're you're not putting that argument out there that Alabama is even remotely going to be in. And plus, why would you? 
This is an Alabama team that has not been disciplined at all. They are the most undisciplined team this year in college football, and they have been pitiful. This is not a fearing defense that we've expected from Alabama before. They struggled against Austin P. Some random school, they only beat 34 to nothing. Now, again, some Alabama fans will be like, oh, well, we well, we shut them out, you know, 34 to nothing. No, 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 no. You are the University of Alabama. You're the Alabama Crimson Tide. You should have beat them like 63 to nothing at the half. And then if you only score like one more touchdown or a field goal afterwards, fine. But you cannot sit here and tell me that you are completely content with, oh, yeah, we crushed another cupcake school by nothing. No, you cannot sit here and give me a straight face and tell me that you are completely okay with this Alabama team going into the playoffs and potentially getting humiliated because of not for the lack of talent, just the lack of discipline in a team that for whatever reason is fractured at the current moment. I don't know what it is. I'm assuming they lost too much talent from the past few drafts. It's hard to make up for it. You know, quick turnaround. I don't know, but an, a two loss Alabama team is not going to get in the playoffs. I can guarantee you that. But anyway, let's move on to the NFL. Um, I haven't really touched on the NFL for the last few weeks. Um, it has been an interesting couple of weeks. Unfortunately, my Dallas Cowboys lost to the Packers in those last couple of weeks. Um, I'm not going to make excuses for it. I, I know exactly what it was. Um, it was a mixture of Dallas pulling the most Dallas thing that you can do of choking a game that they should have won wholeheartedly and just for whatever reason, chose not to win. Um, but this was honestly also a game that the Packers did the formula that they've, that they needed to do since the beginning of the season and chose not to do. They chose not to do it. Why? I don't know, but they chose that they did not want to only rely on Aaron Rodgers. They wanted to have a balance with Aaron Jones. They wanted to have a balance with Aaron Rodgers. They wanted to run the ball more because Dallas has a terrible run defense that nobody's denying that. And they had Aaron throw when he needed to. And Christian Watson took off because of it. So I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and talk about the, you know, maybe it was a missed pass interference call by the defense. Maybe it wasn't. Nothing we can do to change that now is what it is. Um, I mean, it was just Dallas being Dallas. Now, I will say what I hated. I mean, it, it worked out for Dallas in the end. So, I mean, I, I can't really be mad at it. But as a fan and somebody that tries to be pretty objectively unbiased, I was mad. So, against the Vikings, <laughs> they, they, you know, Dak throws a, a pass to CeeDee Lamb, catches it, you know, drags both his toes, inbounds, falls out of bounds, keeps control of the ball, whatnot, it's catch. They kick a 60-yard field goal. Field goal is good. The officials come back and say, oh, no, 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 we're reviewing that. Uh, we're reviewing that catch still. We let you kick the field goal. It was good, but we, we need to go back and look at that. Pat. So, so wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. The, the rule has always been, if you get another playoff, now th this isn't one of those like, oh, they were they're like, oh, we got to hurry and try to kick the field goal to, to do it. Or we got to hurry up and run another place. So they can't review it. No, no, no. You said it was good. You let them kick the field goal, said the field goal was good, gave them the field goal. And they're like, actually, we need to go back and look at this. No, what? No, 
you ran another play and then now all of a sudden, well, we need to look at that again, make sure that actually counted. If that was the case, why haven't you done that through every other NFL game? Like that, that's what I don't understand. Again, it, it worked out for Dallas, so I can't be super mad, but as an NFL fan, where, where the hell does that come from? Where do you finally get the idea? Oh, you know, we need to look back to play. No, 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 no. That. And again, Roger Goodell won't do it, but that is one where, if I'm the players, if I'm the NFL, you know, players association, whatever, I'm looking into that hardcore and I'm not going to let that I'm, I will die on that hill to keep them from, you know, letting that just be what it is. Like I, I, I couldn't let them get away with that because that that's, that is ridiculous to even remotely think that you can, just review whatever plays you want from however many plays back and decide, oh, yeah, that was good, or oh, no, that wasn't good. No, that that's not how this works. Not how this works at all. Again, works out for Dallas. I mean, I can't be upset. It didn't change anything. Brett Maher still made the second 60-yard field goal, but the fact that you let him do it, you let him kick it, made it, and then decided, oh, no, we got to go back and look. That's ass nine. There, There is no defense for that. That is just a 100% ass nine ridiculous move but anyway um let's talk about the other nfc east team uh that played last night the philadelphia eagles uh who moved to 10 and 1 after they beat the green bay packers who are four and eight uh of course aaron Rodgers ended up actually getting hurt in this one he hurt his oblique and ended up being out for basically the rest of the game Rodgers went 11 of 16, 140 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, sacked three times, had a QBR of 38.3. Uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, 16 of 28, 153 yards, and two touchdowns, uh, and ran for another 157. So he ran for more than he threw. Um, but uh, with Miles Sanders as well, who threw for 143 yards. Uh, all total as a team, they rushed for 363 yards, uh, which is pretty incredible. Um, and Jordan Love came in for Rodgers, went six and nine, 113 and a touchdown. So not bad to me. And I, I said this on a show a couple, couple weeks ago uh, when Aaron has continued to cost the Packers games. And of course the one game they win was against Dallas. Um, we already talked about that. Still a little bit bitter about that. Um, that everything that is happening to Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers' fault. Aaron cannot try to wiggle his way out of this of, oh, well, it's the receivers, it's the organization, they don't get meaning. No, 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 no. You don't get to eat almost 20% of your team's cap space. 20%, one player, a fifth of your cap space and you have 52 other guys that also need a share of that, you don't get to tell me it's not your fault. You're eating a fifth of their cap space. That is 110% your fault. Now, I can't blame Aaron for all of it. I give him about 90% of the blame, 5% on coaching, 5% on the rest of the players. Because that's Aaron. This is what Aaron wanted. Aaron wanted to be the highest paid quarterback. He thinks that he can completely and totally carry the team by himself. If he would have taken a pay cut, 
he could have potentially kept Devontae Adams. They could maybe go get another edge rusher. They could maybe get a corner. They could maybe get another linebacker. They could have kept Kazadarius Smith. They didn't have to give him up. So now they have Preston Smith, who's eating a lot of your cap. Uh, Clark, who's eating a lot of your cap. Bakhtiari, who's eating a lot of your cap. And Aaron Rodgers, who's eating a lot of your cap. Oh, and Jair Alexander, who's eating a lot of your cap. So you have five players eating up. I don't know. I don't have the actual statistic in front of me. I'm, I'm going to say probably about 60 to 70% of your cap is just five players. The rest of your guys are basically taking bare minimum on everything. And you expect like first round talent or you expect, you know, all pro talent at every single position. And you expect them to not only be all pros, but all pros eating, you know, ramen noodles while you're over here wasting filet mignons like it's candy. Like, no. I don't feel bad for Aaron Rodgers for any Packers fans that, you know, tell me, oh, he's through, he's thrown for almost 3,000 yards, you know, 21 touchdowns, nine interceptions. I'll take that on my team every, why? Why? Because statistically it's great. Yes, statistically it is great. You are four and eight as a team with Aaron Rodgers having started all 12 of those games. You started three and one and you've gone one and seven cents. Think about that three and one. It's like, okay, the Packers are doing just fine. You know, maybe they don't need Devontae. Maybe the games will be closer. You know, they'll figure out how to win it. You've gone one and seven, one and seven in your last eight games. Like why, what, why, why would you ever consider that a good thing? I don't care if you're throwing for 5,000 yards, you got 50 touchdowns and like four picks. If you're not winning, what does it matter? Like, that's what I, I try to get through so hard to Packers fans. This is what I try to get through so hard to people that defend Aaron Rodgers. Yes, he is back-to-back league MVP. That's fantastic. What does it do for you in the long run? Nothing. You you haven't been to a Super Bowl since the last time Aaron won it. That was in 2010 to 2011. You haven't been to a Super Bowl since. You've been to multiple, multiple NFC championships. You've been crushed in every single one. Absolutely crushed. Now, with the exception of against Tampa Bay, who would go on to win the Super Bowl, if Aaron would have run the ball, who knows? Maybe this is a different story. Maybe maybe they go to the Super Bowl. Maybe we're not even having this conversation. But he didn't. Aaron chose that he, that's not what he wanted to do. And I, I don't understand why people continue to defend this man. They they managed to do the same thing for three years in a row. 13 and 3, 13 and 3, 13 and 4. Basically, same exact players. Like Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Preston Smith, Zedaria Smith, Jair Alexander, uh, Clark Bakhtiari, you know, revamped offensive line, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, uh, Jamal Williams, you know, all of these players. All of, you know, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez, Gantling, all of them. Robert Tunney. What do they do? Lost the NFC Championship, lost the NFC Championship, lost the NFC Championship. Or not even this past time, lost the NFC Championship. You lost in the divisional round to the 49ers. <laughs> That's what you managed to do. So the fact that anybody still defends Aaron as if he's this great quarterback, oh, it's, he's hurt, he's playing with it. No. I don't care. You get paid millions that you asked for. You 
asked to get paid millions to do that. And you, and, and what? Like you, like, let, let's, let's take that championship game against the Buccaneers. Or if he runs it, you know, who knows? You mean to tell me that you needed an extra $20 million? You needed an extra $30 million to make that run to potentially take the Packers to the Super Bowl? That's what you needed to make that run. In that moment, that's what you needed. I, I've i never been an athlete. I've never been an NFL football player. On the outside looking in, if it was me, this is one of the few times, Aaron, you could have argued for both and more. Like, let's say in that moment, you're like, you know what? I'm not getting paid an extra 20, 30 million to make that run. I'm, I'm not getting paid that right now. But you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it because I want to win. A, I want to go to another Super Bowl. I want to potentially win another championship. I want to prove I am one of the best quarterbacks in the league and one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. No, no doubt, hands down. And if you run it and you get it or you get the touchdown, then what? And then you do it. And then maybe you go, and even if you go on to the Super Bowl, what if you win? Then what? Then you can come to Green Bay and say, hey, that fourth and goal play, that third and goal play, you know who did that? Me. I got us to the championship because I ran the ball in. Oh, yeah, by the way, I either got you another ring or I got you the potential to win another ring. I want my money. And Green Bay's going to say, take all the money you want, Aaron. He got us another ring. We're happy for a few years, but he didn't do it. So I don't feel bad for Aaron. I'm not simp- there. He gets zero sympathy from me. Packers fans, you Packers fans, you're in for a rough time. If it was me, I said this last time and I will say it again. And I'll say it till, till he either retires, gets traded or whatever. You need to trade Aaron Rodgers. save your cap space. You are going to be in cap hell next year because of him. Trade him now while he still has some value. Get the draft picks. If you have to eat the if you have to eat the cap space for a year, fine. Eat the cap space if it means that you can get a couple first round picks, a first and a second, uh, maybe another good player, something. Make it to where it has value because if you just have to eat his contract and you don't get anything out of it, that is the worst run business I have ever seen. And Packers deserve to be at the bottom of the food chain from from now until they get another decent quarterback because that is idiotic to ever pay for a guy that is potentially going to leave and you financially cripple yourself to no end that is just absolutely insane to me but anyway everyone thank you guys for all listening to the show i appreciate all the love and support that i get from you guys appreciate uh everybody who listens you know please like please share uh, subscribe. You can follow me on uh, Instagram at Inside the Hoosier Mind. Uh, I'm on YouTube as well. Of course, you can always find me on Anchor. Uh, appreciate it. Everybody have a great night. Everybody have a great Tuesday morning um, coming tomorrow. And hopefully this Colts versus Steelers game will be pretty good. Other than that, everybody have a good night. Peace.